The temps are warmer, you've mowed the lawn, and maybe even turned on the AC a time or two. It's definitely spring. So SpI.com is having their spring sale. Log on now and get local deals up to 50% off before they're gone. SpI.com. This podcast is a part of the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. Congresswoman Sherry Bustos, good morning to you, Sherry. How are you? Good. How are you, Sam? Fine. Thank you. Tim McInerney has joined us in studio. I have not had opportunity, but you've been asked this a thousand times, but we'll reiterate for the Springfield audience. Why did you decide not to seek another term? Well, um, you know, I've been doing this for 10 years, and uh, I I do a deep dive on my my own life. I look at things from a personal perspective and a, a professional perspective, and and then I make a decision on what I'm going to do going forward. And I just made the decision that I've got a lot of energy and enthusiasm, and it's just time to use that toward another profession. Have you decided what that profession is going to be? Do you have some idea what you'll be doing, let's say, a year from right now? Yeah, I, I always I always love when people ask me, have you thought about what you're going to be doing next? And I'm like, yeah, I've thought about it a lot. Yeah, um, I still have to nail some things down. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in the process of getting that figured out. And um, I, I will, uh, you know, I'll, I'll have an announcement to make uh, probably sometime close to when I'll be out of office, which will be on January 2nd. Do you see public life or a political future still on the agenda for you sometime down the road? I guess you never say never, but 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 is it something that you would continue to to have, have as an option? Well, I, I want to make a difference in, in some way. It's, it's uh, something that's been bred into me. Um, you, you obviously knew my dad, uh, Gene Callahan, very well. He used to be on your show quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But he instilled that in my brother and my sister and me, and we just, you know, we've done that in different ways. I've, um, I was a journalist for 17 years and then worked in healthcare for 10, and I've been doing this for 10. And I think in all of those, the, the common thread, there are three different professions, but the common thread is it was a way to give back one way or another. And I'm, I'm going to look for a way to make a difference and um, hopefully do, do something meaningful and that I'll love. I, I've been, my whole family's been lucky. We've always had professions that we've loved. And I want to continue uh, with, with doing something that I'll love and that will be able to, to make a difference. You uh, went to Congress to make a difference. Uh, are you comfortable with the impact you have made and how difficult or challenging is it to make a difference at that level? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I feel really good about it. Uh, we've, I just got, our office just got voted uh, as the number one uh, office in all of the House or Senate among all Democrats for constituent services, which I think is, I'm very, very proud of that. That just means that we paid attention very closely uh, to the 711,000 people in our congressional district, and we've done everything we could to be responsive and respectful and help people. So I'm very proud of that. We also just, um, we, we were the number one office in the House among Democrats and Republicans for, for bringing money back to our congressional district through community project funding, which means that those are the very specific projects that uh, members of Congress can figure out how they're going to help fund. And so, so very happy about that. And, and we've brought about some meaningful legislative change as well. Um, I was just at the White House just a couple months ago. We we had worked on a piece of legislation for uh, several years, and finally passed it and had it signed into law. So I was, uh, um, you know, shoulder to shoulder with President Biden as he was signing our our bill into law, which which just uh, makes sure that anybody who is on who has had to endure sexual harassment or sexual assault 
Um, they In the past, we'd had 60 million Americans who were working under these forced arbitration clauses. Um, and I'm not a lawyer, and so I, um, when I first uh, worked on this, I had read about a story in the, the uh, Washington Post about 69,000 women who had to endure sexual harassment and assault at, a, at their workplace at a single employer. Um, but they couldn't talk about it, couldn't take it to court, couldn't do anything with it other than be at the receiving end of what their employer said that they had to, uh, um, what their, whatever their settlement was. So what, what this law does is it removes those forced arbitration clauses saying if uh, women want to take a case to court, if they just want to let their employer solve it, they can do that, but they have options. And, um, and I think having options and having those choices is very important in, uh, you know, when it comes to sexual harassment or sexual assault. Sherry Bustos, Congresswoman Sherry Bustos is with us. Uh, help me out a little bit, if you will. We hear about the division in Washington, D.C. We, we hear about it. We read about it. We see it on TV. It looks like it's probably as divided or polarized as it's ever been. Has that changed even more so from year one when you were part of the Congress to where it is today? And, and what's the reason? And can it be resolved? Unfortunately, it has gotten worse. I've been out there for 10 years, and I remember when I arrived, people who had been out in Congress for a number of years said it was it was worse then than it had been when they were first elected. Mm. But I, I, I think, I think um, it got worse um, in the, um, uh, the previous administration uh, just because it, it all of a sudden became okay to call the other side names and... Um, and be more overt about uh, the, the dislike for people's views if they weren't the same. Um, and then I would say, it, and, it, and it really culminated in, in uh, the, a terrible turning point was on January 6th. Um, and, and and so we, we had members, for instance, in my party, who would keep names of the, the members of Congress who did not vote to certify the results of the election and um, they just made a pledge that they weren't going to work with any of those members of Congress who voted that way. And it, it, that's not a sustainable way to, to operate when, when um, it, as Democrats, we barely have a majority in the, the House. It's just a few votes. And in the Senate, as you know, it's 50-50. So if we're going to get anything done, you, you really can't have that attitude. Um, and so I, I would say it, it has gotten worse. What what can make it better? It, it's going to take a lot of changes. I, I think the gerrymandering, where districts have become so either Democratic or so Republican, you know, by by double digit numbers. I happen to be. We're now down to three Democrats in the entire Congress who won in 2016, 18, and 20 in Trump districts, and I'm one of the three. Um, so that just tells you there's very few uh, really, you know, very much swing districts where the, the people who you serve really ask of you to, to figure out how you're going to get along. Because if you think about voters going into that voting booth and in, 19, in, in 2016 and in 2020 voting for Donald Trump and then voting for me, you know, those are people who are saying, you know, they, they think that, that uh, Donald Trump was going to do a good job in 16 and then thought he did a good job and voted for him in 20, but at the same time voted for me, hopefully because they thought I represented them well. So, but there's very, very few districts like that. So I think, number one, we have to look at gerrymandering and, and make that, I, I believe, in having an independent uh, committee to draw those lines so we don't have such terribly leaning uh, Democratic or Republican districts. And then I think the other thing is money in politics is not good. 
Um, there shouldn't be a, such a thing as dark money where we don't even know where contributions are coming from. Um, we should have, I think, limits on what the contributions are at all levels, not just at, at personal giving levels. And, and, and I think those two things would do, go a long way to help um, make districts better and also make sure that, that members of Congress are voting for the pe- making sure that they're representing people and, and not special interests. Sherry Bustos with us. I really do have Tim McInerney in studio, and I'm going to ask him to, to, Sherry, to jump in going? the conversation. Hi, Tim. Good, good. Sherry, what do you think of ranked voting? That's happening, uh, happened in Alaska. It seemed to have a, a an impact out there. Uh, is ranked voting, do you think that could also help with the uh, the system that allows the radical left or the radical right to you know dominate in the uh, swing districts? Yeah, that's, that's a growing movement, and um, I think what you end up getting is, is the extremes don't end up in the, in the top one or two positions. And um, I, I think that's the other thing is the, the whole primary system and who ends up being the, the top two going into the general election, they have just gotten more and more extreme because um, the voter turnout in whether you're it's a Democratic primary or Republican primary are more of the diehards. And in, in many cases, those are more of the extreme voters who want as Democrats maybe want somebody farther left and as Republicans want uh, someone farther right. And then so you end up with, in some cases, the most extreme um, uh, people on the ballot in the general election. You know, let's just take a look at the Rodney Davis, Mary Miller primary. Um, that, that district is so far, so um, much Republican now by, uh, by extreme double digits that the voters went for the more extreme candidate in that case. You know, Rodney Davis and I were elected in the same year in 2012 and served together for the last 10 years. And he he won in one of the closest races in the country in 2012. And uh, so he knew that he couldn't be far right. He knew that he couldn't be extreme and uh, came into Congress and was uh, uh, someone who was pretty was easy to work with. And then he gets into this district that is, is you know, extremely Republican and Mary Miller who evoked uh, Hitler's name within a few weeks of being elected um, and uh, then goes on to win that, that primary against Rodney Davis, who was viewed by many people in, in uh, Congress as somebody who you could work with. So I think that's one of uh, an example that's very close to home. Final question, Sherry Bustos, and that is we know mom, uh, your mom Ann is still with us and doing well. Uh, if your dad, Gene Callahan, were uh, with us, what would he tell you right now as you're ending your 10th year as a member of the U.S. House of Representatives? What, what would he say to you? Oh, you know, he used to end many of our conversations um, when we would talk by saying, I love you, I respect you, and help the helpless. And I, so I think his message to me would be to figure out how you're going to continue to be a voice for people. And how you're going to continue to make a difference? That again, as we said at the start of this, that, that's important. That was important to him. It's important to our family. And um, you know, just to, to continue to look for ways to do that. I think he would be fine with my decision um, after January 6th. And I was on the House floor that day, and in in regular, almost constant communication with my family through text. And um, my husband said after I flew home that. Uh, uh, that next day to uh, one of the worst flights in my life because it was it was overrun by people who were at the uh, at the insurrection and they were just 
I mean, it was just the most unbelievable flight in my life. And I, I get home and my husband said, you know, things are not going to get better. Not right now. They're not going to get better. And um, in my family, we made this decision over Easter that, um, you know, it was we, we would look to make a difference in, a, in a, just a new way. And I, so I think my dad would be comfortable with my decision not to, to run again. And, and he used to also say when, when he retired um, after working with Alan Dixon for, you know, close to 20 years and then from um, running uh, the government relations office of Major League Baseball, um, he was he, he would talk regularly about making room for the next generation and making sure that younger people can get involved and in helping to lift them up. And I and I look at it the same way. It's it's time for somebody else to serve in this congressional district who is um, has newer ideas and um, and you know um, can can bring use and vitality to the job. So I'm um, I'm very comfortable with this decision. I think he would be too, and I think he would just ask that. We, I look for a way to make a difference in just a new way. Got about a couple minutes. Tim, one more? I just want you to know, Sherry, since I talked to your dad literally every day for 40 years, uh, he was so proud of you and the job you did and the job you are doing. We wish you the best of luck. You are an outstanding congresswoman and a great lady. So we know we'll still see you around, and uh, I know your dad's very proud. Open invitation anytime you're in Springfield, Sherry. Stop by and say hello, please. Uh, all right, uh, Tim, thank you for your kind words. And Sam, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate My it. My pleasure. Thanks. Appreciate it. You've been listening to the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. For more, visit newhoffmedia.com.